Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Say, God is good. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. You know, the Lord was showing me that early this morning, that he's hidden, hidden nuggets all over the place, that he speaks more truth than any one person could could retain any any more than a group uh, more than any group could co contain or retain hallelujah more information than we could ever get into you know sometimes I ask the Lord that I'm like you're giving me all this stuff but uh, you know you give, you give us all this now sometimes we forget the things that we've been taught I remember one day I got excited about something I discovered in the word and then I realized about an hour into it that uh, he had showed me that about a year earlier <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so, you know, that's just what happens sometimes. There's so much, God is so, uh, there's so much knowledge in, 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 the, in the word and in, in, in following the Lord that we can never hold on to it all here. Praise the Lord. But he's given us enough. He's given us, and he gives us nuggets. He gives us things that we'll, we'll, we'll find. He gives us, it's, uh, you know, with the Bible, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the Bible says that I rejoice at your word as one who has discovered great treasure. Hallelujah. And knowing that the Word of God is a treasure, that the Word of God is something that should be precious to us because the Word of God is the truth of God and the truth of God reveals to us what, what the Father is all about. Reveals to us what God is all about. Amen? Glory to God. And I, and, and I like that. And I found that, you know, the more that I learn about Him, the more that I find out uh, uh, that there was a lot I didn't know. Amen? And uh, I'm sure there's a lot more that I still don't know. I, I, I believe we'll spend eternity learning about our Heavenly Father. But I'm excited that I get to be a uh, partaker of that. Glory to God. And I know you are as well. Praise the Lord. We are, uh, this is the third week into a, a, a several weeks uh, a message or a, a series. Glory to God. And uh, we call it a new nature. And this is a new nature part three. Uh, partakers of the divine is what we've subtitled it. Uh, or I've subtitled it, and uh, you know, uh, of course, that's based over there. Uh, that idea of partaking of the divine is based out of Second uh, Peter one verse four, where he says we've been given great and precious promises. Promises. So, uh, excuse me while I learn to talk this morning, but we've been gr given great and precious promises so that we can be partakers of the divine nature. So we understand that the will of God was not just that we get saved, was not that we just get helped, but that we also partake of who he is, partake of, of, of his presence, of his life, the life, you know, uh, the, the, you know the, there's a, a word in the Greek, it's called zoe, it's translated life, and literally that word means the, the life as God has it, amen, or the life of God, hallelujah, and so that's, that's a, a pretty exciting thing, and that's what God, when Jesus said over there in John 10, 10, that he has come to give us life and life more abundantly, that's the life that he's talking about, it's a Zoe life, it's that life of God, the life that we didn't have on our own, amen, and so God has endeavored uh, to make us partakers of the divine nature, we understand to be a partaker though, you have to choose to partake, uh, uh, you know, you can, uh, uh, you can sit one out. Have you ever have you ever sat something out before? Yeah, I don't want to do this or whatever. When this summer they were doing what were they doing? Goo Goo Ball or Gaga Ball or Gigi Ball, something like that. It's some kind of some kind of weird dance. It's some kind of ball thing they do over in a court there and. And uh, they said, hey, you should come over and do it. And I think I jumped in the ring for about 10 seconds. But then I, I watched these fools running around like crazy. And I was like, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't that foolish. I didn't want to get hurt. I didn't want to get, and I realized quickly that if I sit, what's that? I didn't want to get, well, I didn't want to get kicked either. I mean, I saw, I saw legs and feet and hands going everywhere and people getting beat up, bloodied and bruised and all the, you know, even my kids who are younger, you know, days afterwards, they were still hurting. I see, see, that's why I didn't do it. Amen. <laughs> 
So I, I, I chose not to partake. I chose to watch. Well, I don't want to just do that when it comes to the things of God. I don't want to just watch from the sidelines. But I want to partake of what God has. Amen? Praise the Lord. That's where the exciting part of life is. Glory to God. And you know the distractions that come, and of course we're faced with distractions, especially in this time of year when the distractions come. They're all, they only come to keep us from being partakers of what God truly has. Glory to God. And so we want to learn how to, to, how to do that effectively, right? And uh, of course, you know, I believe that this, is, this message is for this season because it's a Christmas season and it's all about why Jesus came and, and, and we, we need to have that understanding. And of course, every year we probably preach something a little bit differently, but it's always uh, in line with that uh, idea of uh, why Jesus came and what he did. So this is a Christmas message and from that standpoint. But we saw to be partakers, uh, the first week we saw that, uh, you know, we're, we're given knowledge. And knowledge is the first way that we partake of the things that God wants to do in us, to do through us. Amen? Uh, you can't partake of something that you don't understand. You know, as I watched, uh, as I went over there to that, the, the, what was it called? The, the Gaga Ball Court. As I went over there and watched, they had to explain to me how to partake of it before I could ever step in there. Amen? And, and the, uh, so it's through knowledge that we understand how to act access the things of God. Uh, it's not our ideas, it's not our experiences that do it. Have you ever tried, have you ever had an experience, tried to replicate it and it couldn't, you couldn't replicate it? You know, that happens a lot in Christian circles, that, that people will have an experience and then they try to repli replicate the experience instead of getting knowledge about God. And what happens is, is after people try for so long to replicate it and, and find that they can't do it, they, they, they just kind of give up and say, well, I guess it must not be God's will. But we know that that's not the way that God works. That he gives us knowledge so that we can partake of the things that he has for us to partake of. Amen? And then in the second week, I think we talked about faith, right? We started talking about faith and how we're given faith as a way of accessing uh, the, the things of God as well. Um, and of course, we talk a lot, a lot about faith in these circles learn what faith is, how important faith is, because faith is interwoven through all, all, the, all the Bible, all through all scripture, hallelujah. And we know that we come to Jesus through faith, praise the Lord, and we continue on with God through faith. So, you know, faith is a, an important part of it. But this week, I'm actually really excited about uh, getting into this week's message because of the nature of what it is. And uh, this is something really, this is one of the first things that the Lord inspired in me when, when I was preparing this message uh, or when I was, uh, you know, pondering the, 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 the action of going, uh, of, of going through these messages. I, I didn't know what they were all going to be about, but I did know this one idea. And today we are going to talk, be talking about the freedom of being generous. Hallelujah. And we are going to be talking about giving, but my goal is to do this. My goal is to talk about giving the way that the Bible really gives it to us and not the way that it's usually preached. Amen. And I'm going to say this, that I, I, in preparing this, I even had to fight some of the, some of the, the old thought processes that were in me about giving and, and how to do that. Amen. Praise the Lord. And, uh, but I, I want to encourage you just to understand that, that this isn't going to be how you can give more to me or how you can give more to the church or how you can make other Christians rich. It isn't anything about that. We're going to be talking about the freedom of being generous. And, and that is really what the heart of God, to be a partaker, to be a true partaker of God, we need to reflect God in our lives. In other words, people need to be able to see in our lives, they need to see our Heavenly Father. And one of the, one of the, one of the number one attributes 
attributes of God is his generosity. Generosity is something that is not, nece- is not necessarily earned. It's, not, it's, it's something that is given, but it's something that is given out of the right heart. And what we're going to see here today, at least I hope what we'll see here today, is that generosity isn't just about finances. It's not just about what you do monetarily, although it can, clu- it can include that. And there's many scriptures we could go on to preach along those lines. That's not the heart of what I'm doing. But having a heart that's generous, being a person that's generous. One of the things that I work on over, like, over time in my life is to be a generous person. I never want to be a person who removes from somebody, especially unnecessarily. I want to be somebody who is known by my generosity. Amen? Because when you're known by your generosity, that's a thing that opens doors to to countless people. And so we do have a scripture that we start on, and I'm not going to have you turn there today. We're just going to pull it up, write it down, uh, you know, listen to the archives, whatever you have to do to get back into it. But Luke 2.14, this is commonly a scripture that is given around the Christmas season that talks about the birth of Christ, of course, you know, uh, in these... uh, uh, this is a commonly g- uh, gone-to scripture, uh, or the sets of scriptures, and, and this is what the angel said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And we learned an awesome truth about this, praise the Lord, uh, that, that, that it's important to be pleasing to God, because that's who the peace on earth was meant for. Uh, the peace that God gives was, is given to mankind, praise the Lord, through those who are pleasing to him. If we're not pleasing to the Father, we don't have access to the things of the Father. And so we want to be pleasing to him, but, um, and this is no less important in this message that we're, uh, we're, we're hearing this morning, when we're talking about generosity, because generosity is deeply pleasing to the Lord. Amen. Generosity, having a heart of being a heart to be generous is what's pleasing to the Lord. Now, I want to say this right off the bat that you could give a lot of money to any given thing, any given work, any given person, whatever. It doesn't matter. You could give away a lot of money. Giving away a lot of money does not make you generous. You could give all your goods. Actually, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about that. He says, though I give all my goods to feed the poor, praise the Lord, but have not love, I am nothing. And you may ask yourself, how could you give all your goods and not have love? It seems like if you gave away everything that you had to the poor, that you'd have love. But that's not the truth, amen? That's what the world will have you think. You know, uh, you know, we have a government today that wants to, to that wants to dictate the things that we should give to other people, and God endeavored that 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 mankind, out of generosity, would give to mankind based on what they had, based on uh, their faith, based on things like that, but never be forced into giving it. In fact, God will not even force you into giving. Anybody who tries to force you into giving is not in line, not doing things in line with God. Praise the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that I'm against taxes and things like that. I think there's definitely things that we can be very thankful for that our taxes cover or taxes provide us with. One of those things, you know, in this area, we love that the roads will get cleared off so we can get to church and stuff like that. That's a, that's a wonderful blessing. Hallelujah. But, uh, but, you know, that can go too far, especially when we get into social programs and stuff like that. And that's not something that God, God has intended the church to be the best at, at social programs. But we know this, that social programs that aren't based in godly actions aren't social programs that work. Yeah. 
And that's why, you know, you can have a government that gives millions and millions and millions of dollars to people that don't care about it. And what you find is it doesn't help them. It doesn't take them out of poverty. It doesn't increase their lives. All it becomes is a detriment to them. Why? Because they're not taught this with godly knowledge. See, gener generosity with godly knowledge will change the life of a person. Amen? Praise God. And so uh, uh, we, we talked about this you know, in, in uh, looking at uh, Luke 2.14. We need to ask ourselves a question, what pleases God? Amen? If we want to know how to have peace and live in peace, we have to know what pleases God. You know, so many times we come up with these ideas of how we're going to please God. We're going to do, I'll do this and this will please God. I'll do this and this will please God. Even sometimes in some churches they say, well, this is how I worship. You know, they talk about how they want to worship or how they want to do things, you know. And the reason that that's a problem is because you've included I in the first part of that. Worship is nothing about you. Worship is solely about uh, 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 whatever the object of worship is. And so if you make it about you, then you take the object of worship out of the picture and you put you at the, head of, the forefront of that. And that's what a lot of Christians do. They, 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 maybe you're a Christian that's hungry for the plan of God for your life. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a minister or anything like that, but just say you're hungry to know what God wants you to do, and that's a good place to be. But then you import your ideas of how that's going to look. You import your ideas of how you're going to make this work, and you, you try to figure out all these things. And in doing so, you're not being any more pleasing to God, you're just, you're just trying to accomplish something the way that you want to do it. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so we, we, we need to uh, ask ourselves, what pleases God? What can I do to please God? And as we learn in the Bible uh, over and over again, one of the great things that, that uh, pleases God is when our hearts are right. Generosity is not something that you can just do natural, and not the way God defines generosity. is not just something you do naturally, but it's something that emanates from the heart. Amen? That's why Jesus said the way that we look at money is, will tell us the, uh, the conditions of our heart. Amen? Praise the Lord. We know this just about speaking out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We, uh, we understand that, uh, you know, from, the, from Proverbs, we understand that. But Jesus said, uh, you know, he talked a lot about these things, but Jesus dealt a lot with finances. He talked about the, the you know, the woman who gave two mites. We often know that story or the, uh, she gave the, 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 the least, right? And Jesus stood up in the midst. She said, all these people were given these offerings. And he said, she, out of her poverty, gave the most not because it was the amount that she gave because of the place that she gave it and that's what we have to understand we can have lots of money and give lots of money and still not be right before the Lord amen praise the Lord God has called us to put our hearts with it in fact one of the things that we have often taught when we take up offerings is if you're going to give into the offering we encourage people to do so we know how it's blessed our lives we know how to bless your life in fact one of the greatest ways to bring yourself out of uh, out of poverty is to learn how to be a blessing financially to other people Amen. When you learn that, you will learn that, that that's exactly what God will do with it. It's not that you have to make more. It's that you just have to do right with what you have. But one of the number one things that we, we've often taught people in these, in these churches, and, and, and we, we stand on this still, is the idea is that if you don't give from the right heart, you might as well just keep it. 
Because if you give, it doesn't matter what you give. It doesn't bless God unless you give with the right heart. What's the right heart? Being giving, giving it in faith, giving it with expectation, giving it joyfully. Hallelujah. And so we understand this about giving, but also, you know, you can apply this to more than just giving financially. You can apply it to giving how we give of ourselves, what we do with our time, what we do with our lives, how we how we think about, you know, uh, uh, the how we think about the things that we do, the the life that we live. You know, one of the things that um, Reverend Rich, you know, Reverend Rich, I traveled with him a little bit and uh, might be traveling with him some more this year. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll see about the future as well, not on a full-time basis, but just, you know, in different times to help out. But there's also things in my own heart that, that, that I have to, to walk out. And he was talking to me about this. We were talking about uh, doing these different trips and sometimes not even knowing why it is we're going, but going for a specific purpose uh, or going to find the purpose. And, and one of the things that he told me is he said a few days into the trip or a few days out from the end of the trip when you get there, he said, you need to get down in your spirit and ask the Lord, say, if I were to leave today, have I accomplished what you have sent me here to do? Well, the reason I bring that up is because I think that's good, uh, a good attitude that we can have for life. Uh, you know, as we walk through this life, if I, if, if Lord, if you were to come back today, have I accomplished what you have called me to do? That's why some people, will, they'll make plans on, I'm going to make all these plans, and if I do this, 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 and this, it'll put me in the position of being able to serve God. And actually, the Bible calls that foolishness. That if you wait for a specific day, if you wait for a specific time to serve God or to do the things that you're supposed to do, you can miss God completely. That you'll never actually attain that goal. See, because God didn't tell us to prepare ourselves in the sense of having all our ducks in, 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 in line or in order before we go out and do the thing that he's called us to do. But what he's called us to do is to prepare our hearts and to have the right heart that can be moved at any time, at any place. In fact, one of the things that the Lord shared with me recently was that the reason he uses me in certain areas and I'm not going to get real specific right now, but the reason he uses me in specific areas, certain areas, is because of my willingness to be used in those areas. And he said, because of that, I can use you in that area. There's a lot of people that God wants to use that they can't use because their, their hearts aren't open to being used in the area that, that he's calling them to. And so we have to understand that. But this also is giving. This is a major aspect of giving, of being, uh, uh, you, you know, benevolent in our, in our attitude. We want to have an attitude uh, that Lord, whatever it is that you want from me, that's what I want in my life. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. But one of the hearts of this message, and I don't want to get too far away from it before we even get started here, one of the hearts of this message is for us to have the knowledge that we can do this freely. That when it's time to give of ourselves, where before we may have been afraid to, because Lord, I, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. Maybe there's a need that's far greater than you, uh, that what you're able to supply, but you know that you need to be part of that. Do you know how you can be part of that? You can be part of it first by having a heart to be part of it. And, and see, the thing is that I found that God has never called me to do anything that I can do, but in everything he's called me to do is I yield myself in faith to the fact that he will do it through me 
He's opened the door for me to have whatever it is I need to have to accomplish whatever it is I need to accomplish. And so that's the heart of this message is what God has given us is the, the, the ability to have a heart that is free from the worry and the stress of not being able to accomplish whatever it is he wants us to accomplish. Amen? And so everything in this message, if I don't point it back to that, you can know from this point forward that it should be pointed back to that. So everything should come back to uh, this idea that whatever God has, wherever he's placed us, he's equipped us, and whatever he's equipped us to do, we can rest in the fact that he has made us able. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, another scripture I want to share with you without turning to it, because we have a lot we're going to go to if we get there, amen, is uh, Matthew 10, 8. And this is what Jesus told his disciples as he sent them out. And there's one main part of the scripture that I want to focus on, which is the last part. We'll read the whole thing. It says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. This is what the direction he gave. This is the direction that Jesus gave his disciples. He sent them out, right? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Just kind of, it almost kind of comes across here a little nonchalant, doesn't it? Heal the sick. Okay, we, maybe, we, maybe we could agree with that. Maybe we could see that. But then he goes right from heal the sick to raise the dead. Man, now that's something that's, you know, you, you can lay hands on the sick and, if, you know, somebody can have a twinge or something. They say, oh, I feel better already. Praise the Lord. And that's exciting. But, you know, that doesn't necessarily prove anything. But you can really prove whether or not somebody's raising the dead. Can't you? Hallelujah. Cleanse the lepers. Well, that's another, that's another hard one. Cast out demons. So he said, said all these things. But this is the part that I want to get to. And this is what was drawing me to this scripture. It's because this is, the, this, this is the, the heart that we can take out of the scripture and apply it really to our own life. Not that we couldn't apply the other things to our lives, but like I said, if you don't have the power to raise the dead, you're going to have a hard time doing it. Glory to God. But this is what Jesus was saying to him, and this is the heart behind what he had just said. Freely you received, freely give. And this is the heart, this is what all of Christianity is based on. This is what, this is how we get Christianity. This is how we've been, been made Christians. This is how we have access to all the things of God. This is why God does everything from this standpoint, freely receive and therefore freely give. The Bible tells us that Jesus is the, that, that the way of salvation is a free gift. It's not something that we have to pay for. It's not something we can earn. We can't go to enough church, church services to, to obtain salvation. We can't go to the right church to obtain salvation. Salvation does not come through any man, through any organization. It doesn't come through any other way other than one avenue, and that is through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That is what obtained, and, and how we receive of that. Jesus, has, uh, he came here to live as a man, Praise the Lord to show us how, how, how God wanted us to live. And then he lived a certain way to show us the will of God. Praise the Lord. And then in the right time, that perfect man went to the cross and paid a price for our sin that we couldn't pay. He paid that price with the shedding of his blood to get us access, guaranteed access into heaven. The only way to heaven is not through man, not through an organization, not through a group of people. The only way to heaven it's through receiving what Jesus Christ has done for, for you. It is the easiest thing in the world. It is the easiest thing to do. But all things in the life of a Christian, all things in the life of a believer, emanate from that point and that point only that we have freely been given, and so we should freely give. Hallelujah. Glory to God.
Again, it's the heart of God, and it's the heart, it should be the heart that's in his children. You know, we're told so many times that the children should look like the Father, and we, uh, we're given this, and of course, when we see partakers of the divine nature, some people get excited about that because they think, oh, all right, I can go walk on water now. They think, all right, I can raise the dead now. Okay, now I can have these spiritual experiences, and although I'm not making light of any of those things and saying that any of those things aren't possible if the Lord, uh, the Lord brings you into those things, hallelujah, uh, but that's that's not the heart of what being a partaker of the divine nature is. The heart of being a partaker of the divine nature means that you get to partake of who God is. That we get to experience who he is. And so everything that we refuse in this life that is God, everything we refuse to participate in in this life that is God, we're refusing that aspect of the divine nature. And so that's an area that we miss out on. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. And so uh, as we continue talking about giving, we're going to go to one of the first scriptures I always think about when I think about giving. That's over there, uh, John chapter 3, verse 16. So you might as well go ahead and turn there with me. John three sixteen. Of course, many of us know this scripture. And I was always, you know, this is, one, the, this is the one scripture that I knew most of my life. You know, somebody had taught it to me, and I had, I had learned it, and, you know, many of us know this. Uh, can quote it without, uh, without fail. We can quote it without issue, you know. Uh, John 3, 16. Um, it's just a really popular scripture. But, you know, until I was taught the truth, I never understood it fully, never understood exactly what it was saying. So it says here, glory to God, we're going to actually read through verse 18. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Hallelujah. Uh, but, you know, this is the thing that we often miss when we read this. And you could really stop it here because this is the, this is the, the heart behind what the scripture is saying. God so loved the world that he gave. Hallelujah. For God so loved the world, meaning that he so loved humanity, he so loved people that he gave. He looked down on humanity, he said they're lost, they're broken, they're worthless to most anything, but not to him. They meant something to him. He said, it's worth something to me, and it's worth me giving everything. And so that's exactly what he did. Now, some people could argue, say, well, it says that he gave his only son. And so, so they're saying, you know, you're kind of skipping out. But if you understand what God gave when he gave his only son, was that he gave everything that he could possibly give. That's what God did when Jesus came for us. He didn't just give us a little. He didn't just give us enough. He could have provided just enough. God could have come up with ways, I'm sure, to provide just enough, but he didn't. He gave everything. He gave it all. He put it all on the line. He gave it to us all at once. He said, here it is. I'm not holding anything back. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures, it talks about uh, he withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly. Hallelujah. God has withheld nothing from us. He's withholding nothing from you. Amen. And so if there's something that's withheld in your life, it's not God that's doing it. How do we know this? Because he gave us everything. If we understand what the son meant to the father, then we understand it was everything. There was no more that he could give. Yeah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So by that, by saying that, we have to understand that all things that we need are found in him. Yeah. 
In fact, we're told this over and over. First, uh, uh, Ephesians, uh, the, the, the first, at least the first chapter of Ephesians, over, I think, like 17 times, it says the words, in him. And we know that Ephesians is the, 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 it's the expression of what God did for us. Ephesians, especially the first couple of chapters, is, is what God did to make us the church. It's what he gave. So if you want to understand John 3, 16, you really can't understand it without reading Ephesians 1 through three, chapter one through chapter three, amen? But we, we, we see that there, and of course, over and over again, it says, in him, in him, in him. Now, I want to clarify something else here, because we all always read this as his only begotten son. Most uh, translations translate it this way, but uh, a better understanding of this is not his only begotten son, uh, but the, a better understanding of the, 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 the original language here is really his unique son. And we, and I could get into a dissertation why this. I think I've explained it to you at least somewhat before. There's a lot to that, but that's literally what it means here. His unique son, the only thing that was, the only one that was able, because we know that there's many sons of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so, uh, glory to God. Uh, we we get get uh, some better understanding if we look at it from that standpoint. But we're going to continue on here. Verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That word saved is important as well. But it says here, He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Praise the Lord. Now, before I go further, I want to I define some terms here. One of the terms I want to define to you is the word gave. Because we see this so many times there, right? Or we see this idea there, presented there. It means literally means to give something to someone of one, one's own accord. To give one something to his advantage to bestow a gift. And so it's not just to give, but it's to give something that's useful, but have purpose in giving it. So when God gave us everything up front, he had purpose in giving us everything. Hallelujah. Uh, praise the Lord. <clears throat> Literally, we could see it like this, that God gave us so we could have. It's so we could be partakers of what he is and who he is. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. You know, Jesus didn't just save us. He brought us into the presence of God. You know, we were going to hell. You could be saved. You, you, you could be saved uh, out of, you know, like right now, currently, we're not in hell. Some people might think we are, but we're not. If you understood what hell is, you'd never make the mistake of thinking this is hell because this is nothing compared to how horrible hell is. But we're not in hell. And uh, we, so we can understand this concept. He could have saved us to a place that didn't bring us into his presence. But that's not what God did. God saved us to a place that we would have access to the Heavenly Father. We would have access to the throne room of heaven. Not just the throne room of heaven, but we would have access to the very throne itself. In other words, the Bible tells us, it, it explains to us that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. Not in the future, but now. And so this is all interesting as we look at these scriptures and we see, oh, you know, if, if you trust in the Lord, and that's what believe means, it means to trust. Believe literally means to commit to one's trust. If you've committed yourself to the trust of the Lord, you've literally accessed this by faith. There's no judgment for you. There will be judgment for your actions, but there's no judgment for you. It means that there's an open door now into heaven. Glory to God. We're not going to stand before and say, see if we're going to go to heaven. Christians, we should know this. 
we should be able to know whether or not we have access to heaven. Amen? Praise the Lord. And this is exactly what it means. To back this up, I'll pull up Romans 8.32. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Glory to God. Now, you know, we, we, we give you these scriptures. Of course, I'm building a foundation. It hasn't, I haven't even talked about, uh, I haven't even talked about, all, you know, uh, gotten into giving yet. But as we look at Romans 8.32, we see this. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? There is nothing that God wants to withhold from us. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean that everything is yours. Everything belongs to you. You just go grab what you want. You know, you could run through Walmart saying, Jesus died for me, so everything I have is, oh, everything here is mine, and just start grabbing stuff. But I guarantee that if you go over, so, well, maybe they will, they'll let you go. Nowadays, they won't let you, because that's, that's the, the, the wonderful uh, state we live in, that uh, you, can, you can be a thief, and that's okay. They'll let you do that. Uh, nobody get any ideas yet because uh, it still doesn't it doesn't glorify God very much when you do that but that's you know that's just uh, the, 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 but that's why the state needs us to be here and to think right glory to God well that's free no charge hallelujah uh, but at any rate God gave us uh, he delivered him up for us praise the Lord so that we could have access to all heaven has to offer and what this means is, is this is this is a true freedom for us. This is a freedom for us to know that God has called us into something, and because He's called us into that, we have a free free we have right to go into that. Praise the Lord. We don't have to worry about where it's going to come from. In fact, I see Christians worrying more about where where things are going to come from. And I'll tell you what worry does. What worry does when you sit around and worry about something, what you do is you keep whatever you're worrying about farther away from you. All worry does is stave off what you're worrying for. That's it. If you're worrying about finances, all worry does is pushes them off into the future. You'll, you'll keep worrying about them and you'll never have them. If you're worrying about healing, it pushes it off into the future. Anything that you want, anything that you desire, we are told to access them by faith. Amen? Glory to God. <clears throat> we don't access them through worry. So when we struggle with it, we worry about it, all we do is we keep those things far from us. And <clears throat> that's one of the greatest areas where, where, where this, this message is, is really highlighted is because a lot of people make decisions based on what they feel they can and can't do instead of what they're called to do or not called to do. <clears throat> you know, if I operated according to what I can do, I would have never done any of this. We, none of us would be sitting here right now. In fact, nothing in my wife and my life that we have, we've obtained, uh, we've only obtained because we've understood who we are in Christ. Amen? We walk in the blessing of the Lord. Our house is blessed. Our home life is blessed. Our life together is blessed. And all these things because we access what God, by faith what God has given to us. We haven't been gifted with something that somebody else has. We haven't been made so special that other people can't attain it. In fact, my wife is pretty special, but I'll tell you something about myself. I am so not special that God specifically used me for that reason. And I know this. <clears throat> this isn't something that I, uh, you know, I'm getting down on myself about, so don't try to make me feel better about it later because you can't. I feel good about what God is doing in my life. And I feel good about it because I know the ability to which I couldn't obtain. I know the ability to which I couldn't make things work. 
I couldn't make life work. I couldn't, I couldn't just, you know, I wasn't the person that was, <clears throat> you know, I may have had giftings. Everyone has some kind of gifting somewhere probably. But it wasn't, it didn't matter because I wasn't gifted enough to know how to use it in a way that it did anything for me. I would sit around at coffee shops drawing pictures. That was about the only thing I could point to that had any kind of gifting in my life. I would sit around at coffee shops drawing pictures and I would have other, other people that were just as worthless as I am come in and say, hey, that's great. What did it do for me? Nothing. Didn't change nothing in my life. It didn't propel me into the future. It didn't open doors for me. None of these things. And so we understand this, that, that, but what, uh, actually what sitting in a coffee shop did was it did get me married. So maybe that if you want to get married, that's what you got to do. Find a good coffee shop and go flirt with the waitress or waiter or whatever. And, you know, <clears throat> praise the Lord. But, uh, uh, what's that? that? You didn't do that. No, 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 no. <clears throat> Now, Doug came in like Batman. He came in unannounced, and he's just like, he showed up and, and sweet, swept Tammy right off of her feet. She didn't even know. Praise the Lord. In fact, Tammy was so unsure of what Doug was doing, she came to me and she said, is this all right? I said, I, said, I mean, she really did. She said, she did. And I said, no, actually, it, it wasn't just that Doug, he didn't ram his way, and Doug came in. It, it, it was... It, it was good, but uh, uh, but she did ask me if it was all right, you know, if I thought it was all right, and that's good, good spiritual advice and stuff. And I, and, and just so you know, Doug, I was your advocate from the get-go. I, I I said, I said, well, we'll see, but just try it. Say, you, say you'll know if you just look at certain things, you'll know pretty quickly. And of course, uh, whether Doug's here on his own accord or or because of her accord, I don't doesn't really matter. The fact is, he's here, and uh, glory to God, hallelujah, and and they're married and happy. For it. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Anyway, so we get back to this. Doug, I'll tell just about as much of your life as I want to. So you just, you just, you just hang on and I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's get back on track here. We got a message. Doug is like, this is why you never finish, Pastor Jeff, because you just don't, you just don't get it all. You get off into these rabbit trails and tell stories and praise God. Hallelujah. But at any rate, uh, God so loved us that he gave. Hallelujah. And so we know that. We know that we need to be partakers of that. We need to, to be a partaker of that. Then we must be one who does the same thing. To look like the Father, we have to do what the Father does. And we determine in ourselves. God gave us so we could have free, uh, free knowledge, uh, the, the knowledge that we can do things without uh, hindrance, without being held back. Hallelujah. I remember there was this one time when I was, I was, you know, kind of upset about certain things in my life, the way certain things were going. And uh, I, I was seeing them as a hindrance. You know, and in the midst of this, I was trying to follow the, uh, follow the Lord. I was trying to follow the plan of God for my life. And in the midst of that, I was seeing that as a hindrance. See, I was looking at it all wrong. And I, I remember I was there kind of getting, you know, sulky and complaining and, and about my life and where it was. And, and uh, on, the inside of the, on the inside of me, I heard this in my spirit. I heard the Lord say, I'm not hindering you from anything. Praise the Lord. And it was correction to me. He says, I'm not hindering you from anything. God provided everything for us. He's not hindering us from anything. When God asks us to do something, there's no hindrance in it. It's only to, it's only to propel. It's only to do good. 
If God puts something before us, if God puts, uh, yeah, if he puts whatever before us, something for us to attain, if he puts a, you know, the, at one point, there was a, this building was before us, and it was something for us to attain. We're still working on attaining it in the sense that we're, you know, we're paying it off and stuff like that. But we do so in faith. We did the same thing in Korah. We know that God has put, us, put it before us, so we know that we can do it. Amen? And so as a congregation, we come together and we make those ty types of things happen. But we don't, we're not held back by it. We're not we're not uh, uh, we're, we're not going to miss what God has for us just because it looks too big. Amen. There's other things that the Lord has put on my heart specifically. There's things that the Lord will put on your heart. And in all those things, he will bring it to pass if we access it by faith. If we will be partakers. Amen. But to be a partaker of the blessing of the Lord, we have to understand how the blessing of the Lord happens. We have to understand how it works. Amen. And we're going to get into that right now. Amen. Second Corinthians nine. Now I'm going to bring this up in the amplified. Uh, do you have the scriptures in there? Are they in the computer? Not at the moment. Okay. So the scripture we're going to do second Corinthians nine, six through 11, but we're going to do them in the amplified version. So I'm going to read them to you in the Amplified Version. I'm going to explain what that's all about. If you're, you got a regular version of the Bible, that's fine. You, you open that and just follow along. Uh, the reason I'm doing it in the Amplified is this. You know, the Amplified does just that. It amplifies what, you know, when I express to you, when I share with you, when I take a scripture and break it down, what the Amplified Version of the Bible literally does is that's the breakdown. Amen. And so this is going to save me a, a whole lot of preaching just by the way that it's worded, because it is accurate, in, 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 especially in this scripture, in these scriptures. I've studied them out, and not that I need to verify it, but I'm verifying it for you, uh, you know, that uh, these are accurate in the Amplified Version. That's why I'm reading it in those. Uh, I've gone to these scriptures many times just in the regular version, but we're going to go to them in the Amplified. Amen. Praise the Lord. My first, uh, my first Bible when I started coming to the first nice Bible that we uh, that we got, my wife bought me actually when we started coming to family churches after we'd been here for a little while was an Amplified Bible. So I used to read out of the Amplified Bible, and although it's very beneficial in, in that it helps you understand a lot of things, it's very hard to re read because it's very wordy, as you're about to see here in a minute. But I want you to pay attention to the words that are used here. This is why we use this version because the words that are used here they amplify it, they magnify it, they point to what God is saying in these scriptures. Now these scriptures, these scriptures are all about giving financially. I'm just going to lay that out for you ahead of time. So if anybody thinks that they can be cheap and not give financially and still be a good Christian, you're wrong and these scriptures will prove it. That's not the reason that I'm using it. I'm just going to clear that up ahead of time. But these, but these apply to the heart and that's really what we're, we're looking at here, the heart behind why we give. See, you don't give right unless you give with the right heart. So even if you want to give a lot, even if you were, I, and I would tell you this, even in God, God forbid this, that this would go this way. But if you came to me and you said, here, Pastor Jeff, I want to sow this million dollar check into the church. I would want to make sure that your heart was right behind sowing it into the church. Now, listen, I know it would be hard to turn away a million dollar check for anything you're doing, right? But the, the truth of the matter is it won't matter to you to sow that kind of money if you're not doing it from the right heart. Right. And the heart isn't just for giving financially, but this heart is about who we are as Christians. Why we, if you give, you should only give from the heart that's expressed here. Amen. And so let's go ahead and start. It says here in 2 Corinthians 9, verse, uh, uh, 
2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. This, uh, remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. Now we could spend a lot of time on just this. Notice that the sparingly and grudgingly has nothing to do with giving a certain amount. Right? right. And Jesus taught us that when he said that the woman with the two, two mites gave more than all. It has nothing to do with, it has nothing to do with the amount, right? It has nothing to do with percentages. It has nothing to do with anything other than sparingly and grudgingly. Grudgingly and sparingly, literally here as they're used, are characteristic traits. They're characteristic of how you're giving. And it's the attitude behind what you're doing. You know, my wife has said many times in the pulpit in recent times, she said, uh, you know, we could, we, she's a good hype man. She could hype things up and try to get people to give more or to do more. We could, and actually I've seen this, I've seen ministries that put so much burden on the sheep that they're literally running ragged. And that's not the will of God either, just so you know. Uh, God has not ordained any. Now, there are seasons where we have to run harder and do things more and stuff like that. But the heart of God is not to run the people into the ground. And so that's an area of giving that is giving of their personal time, giving of their, their life, giving of things, you know, they take away from their family time. That's giving. Amen? There was actually, I, I don't agree with this. Uh, if, if God directed a certain person to do that, that's between them and God. But I don't agree with promoting this. And I've seen this promoted before where people would, uh, you know, ministries would have special uh, special set of meetings, maybe a week-long meetings, and that there's people that would give up their only vacation time that they have so that they could serve for those meetings. Now, if the Lord deals with your heart on that, that's between you and God, and you have to determine that. But I would say, generally speaking, that's just plain wrong. And I've heard it preached as something that people should strive for. It's plain wrong. You don't rob from your family in order to, to you, you know, to, uh, just to fulfill some kind of something that somebody else could possibly do. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't give up personal time to take care of people either. I do, or, or to do, take care of the work of the Lord. Of course we're going to. If we ever do extended meetings, again, which I want to do, well, if we have several uh, nights of meetings, somebody labors for that. In fact, one of the reasons that we haven't done it is because of the labor that it costs. And the labor that I'm talking about is not financial, but I'm talking the toll that it takes on people. There's people that have to serve. You know, when you came, if you just came into this church and you just sat down in a seat, that's wonderful. It's open for you to do so. But you understand that these seats didn't get here by themselves. They didn't straighten themselves by themselves. They didn't clean themselves by themselves. They didn't vacuum around themselves by themselves. That somebody did all that. Amen. When you come into a place and it's fixed or, or fixed up and nice and it smells good, somebody has labored to do these things. That is all giving. But see, we can give from the wrong heart no matter what it is. So if we're giving sparingly and grudgingly, in other words, I feel like I have to, so I'm just going to do it. So I'm just going to do it because this is what I have to do. If I pass her from that standpoint, you know, I can pass her sparingly and grudgingly. Did you know that? You can do any ministry sparingly and grudgingly. I could come, I could say, I could just read enough just to give you a message. I could study just enough to give you a message. Amen. And then I could just show up once a week and only once a week, only for the purpose of, of giving a message. I could make it a half hour. Believe it or not, I could. Amen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. You know, the reason I don't is because I preach by the Spirit. And there's unction and there's things that come. But I could just give you a canned sermon. I don't even have to prepare a sermon. I could go online, get a sermon, read it to you, do that once a week. 
and, uh, and collect a paycheck and then go do golf the rest of the week or whatever I want to do. I don't like golf, so it wouldn't be that. But, <laughs> but, but you understand? Like, but that's not what I do. I give my life for it. And why do I give my life for it? Because I understand what the Bible says. And you want to know why I'm blessed? You want to know why my, my wife's blessed? Because we don't give sparingly or grudgingly. We pour our heart into everything we do. I'm not saying that for a pat on the back. I'm saying it because it's the absolute truth. The Bible calls me to be an example to the flock, and that's exactly what I endeavor to do. I try to be an example. We give ourselves for the work of the ministry because that's what we're called to do. Some people want to be able to be in ministry, and they just want to give sparingly and grudgingly. They think, oh, if I just, if I just show up part-time, I could, I, 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 could, I, I, I could jump on into this. And there's some denominations that would allow you to do that, not this one. Praise the Lord. Not this one. You don't just get to get a degree and therefore you get free access to everything. It doesn't work that way. Why is that? Because it doesn't work that way with God. Listen, you want the blessing of God in your life, you have to have God, the, 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 the direction of God, the heart of God behind the things that you do. Why do we do what we do? I'm saying all of us. Why do we do what we do? We don't come to church sparingly or grudgingly. We come to church excited, stirred up. We come to church expecting we come to church. See, even you can even come to church sparingly and grudgingly. So just remember this, that this applies more than just your finances, that if you're going to sow into anything, any way, any way possible, and you sow sparingly and grudgingly, then what you reap in your life will be sparing and grudging. It, it means that, that God is just going to, you know, it might just trickle in a little bit here, a little bit there. Praise the Lord. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. If you won't be generous with people, if you're always looking for a way to get yourself blessed and not how to bless other people, it's sparingly and grudgingly. Hallelujah. So it says here that the one who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously, and look at this, and this again, this is the Amplified, I love it. This is why we bring it up. This is the reason, this is what generously, to give generously, this is what it means. That blessings may come to someone else. That's literally what it means. Generously means that you're doing something to be a blessing to someone else. Amen? Any good parent knows this. This is how they live. They bless the kids. They live to bless the kids. Amen? Praise the Lord. Um, that's what gener generosity looks like. God has given us the freedom to be generous. Hallelujah. In all things. Not one thing. Not a few things. In all things. To live life generously is to live life partaking of the divine nature <clears throat> if you're always looking for a freebie praise the lord you're not living life generously because uh and, and this is exactly what it means when the bible says that it's more blessed to give than to receive what it's talking about is this see a person who 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 is who is after receiving all the time they, they will receive but they'll just receive, just a little bit. But it'll never be a lot. It'll never be, a, it'll never be something that's magnificent. But when you take the heart of God on the inside of you and try to live generously as God lives generously, do you know this would, be, this would probably be the number one cure for 99% of all marital problems is to be generous towards your spouse. How do you be generous? Think about what would bless them. The blessings may come to someone else. What would bless your spouse? Be that for them. My wife and I endeavor, that's why we have a good marriage, and I'm not saying this to try to make people feel bad if you have a bad marriage or anything like that. That's not the purpose of this. 
This is an example of how to have a good marriage. You live, uh, and, if, and say, well, you say, well, my, my spouse won't do that. Well, then you live being this person. Right? Yeah. Why? Because when you live, when you live generously, the Bible says that you reap generously. That doesn't mean it'll always change the heart of the person next to you. It won't always change the heart of that person, but God will see it, and we'll see this more. Amen? that blessings will come to some way so that someone else uh, will also gen reap generously and with blessings. Man, that's awesome. And so here's the other side of this that this, these scriptures are telling us. We can be generous in one area, but it doesn't just bless that area. It blesses multiple areas. When you're generous, when you're generous financially, and not, again, not just in the church, we need to be generous financially in the world. When we're generous financially in the world, God will bless us with other things in our life. But this is why, you know, we don't want to measure and just be like, oh, I'll be generous here. Maybe I got good at being generous in one area, but not another. No, I, I am constantly looking in my life and saying, how can I be more generous? That's, what I'm, that's the goal of my life. I'm not generous in everything. I'm not. There are areas where I withhold. And, but when I recognize that, I want to alleviate that, fix it. Why? Because I want to partake of the divine nature. And the only way to do so is by, uh, is by uh, man, I was looking at the time. Yikes. It was because of that Doug distraction. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, we'll reap generously. Okay, let's go on to the next one. I think I've, I've, I've gotten that out. Let each one give as he has made up in his own mind and purpose in his heart. Not reluctantly or sorrowfully. So when we say, you know, some people, like, they'll, they'll give like that of themselves, whatever. Again, it doesn't just have to be money. It could be anything. But they'll give of themselves like that. They'll be like, oh, you know, I, I just, it's just not my heart to do that. But see, it says right here, when it says not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, it's letting you know that you determine that. Amen. So in other words, I, like, you, you shouldn't give because I've compulsed you or been compulsive or I've, under compulsion have, have stirred you up to give. But you should give because God has made you a giver because he has made you to be a partaker. Again, what do I mean give? Whatever the area is that needs something. So if you need happiness, you need to give happiness. If you need love, you need to give love. Hallelujah. If you need... Uh, if, if, if you need whatever it is you need in life, if you want to increase in that area, you increase by being generous. But the heart behind generosity can never be to increase. So if you are giving, so you look at this and you say, so this, these scriptures are not saying, okay, if you give, you get. So just give and get, right? That's not why it's saying that. It's saying, no, you can give freely, because God will give. See, this is a whole, this is true prosperity right here. And this is what Jesus brought us, is true prosperity of life. Prosperity of life. I'm not talking about filling your pocketbooks. I'm not talking about, you know, having mounds of gold and, uh, you know, uh, Lamborghinis and stuff like that, Teslas, whatever it is you want, with all the open package, you know, if that's what you want. 
And if you don't know what I mean, then you don't want a Tesla. Uh, praise the Lord. And if you know what I mean, you know what I'm talking about. So that's, we leave it at that. But, uh, you, you, you know, that's not what it's talking about. It means what God gives us these, uh, the, these, these things about giving freely. The reason he teaches us about this is so that we know that when we do it, we don't have to do it with any fear. That we, when we release, have you ever done that? Have you ever made up in your heart, your purpose in your heart to say to give to someone? And so say, say you've taken some, uh, say, say it's a monetary thing because that's the easiest thing to point to. Say you've taken your last 20 bucks and you gave it to someone to be a blessing to them, right? You took your last 20 bucks and you, and you know as you gave it to them, did you have that feeling? Did you ever have that feeling of like, oh my God, there's my last 20? And then afterwards even had some thoughts, oh man, I just gave away the last bit of money I had. See, that's why we have these scriptures to, to, to bring us back to that place of faith to say, wait a minute. No, I gave that with joy. I, I, I gave that knowing that God will always provide for me. He won't keep back from me. And so I, I, I've, that's giving from the right heart. So this, when, you, when you've labored for something and you've been laboring and you're like, man, maybe you're just working. Maybe you're working extra hard at your job. Because this is giving too. You're working extra hard at your job and your, your employer, they're not even a Christian, they're not even a good person. But you're working extra hard just to prove, you know, just to, just to, just to be, you want to be a good employee. That's what you've decided. You've heard the word and you want to be a good employee. So you've just decided to do that. So you give that little bit extra and you know that your boss isn't even seeing it. And you know that nobody else is seeing it and you're just doing it like it's worthless that I'm even doing this. See, God says that he sees it. And because you've gone that extra mile to take care of that thing, he blesses you. He opens the doors of increase in your life. See, you don't have to worry about what other people see. You don't have to worry about what doors other people are going to open because they're not going to open the doors to true blessing in your life. And that's what it means when we can freely give. It means that we can be right because we know that God shines on those who will be right. He withholds nothing from them who walk uprightly. And so any area of your life that needs, God will bless it because you've chosen to walk right. You've chosen to live generously. Praise the Lord. You know, have you ever lived a life, have you ever had this where just people say bad things about you all the time? I love this. Reverend Randy and I, you know, I'm friends with Reverend Randy now, and he was in here a few, uh, few months ago. But he says this, you know, there, there was one, one particular person, I think it was a minister, that, that, that was causing him a lot of grief in life. And if you don't think a person in the body of Christ can do that, well, you haven't been in the body of Christ very long. Amen? But uh, there was another minister that was causing him grief. And he was like, you know, he just wanted to, he wanted to come up with all the reasons why, he, why the minister was wrong. And the minister was wrong. He explained to me what was going on. And the minister was wrong. They were just plain wrong. But you know what he said? He's like, I decided in my heart I'm not going to be this way. So he said, I'm going to start, uh, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to find five things about this minister that are good things, and I'm going to start speaking about them. Yeah. And he did all that, and his heart changed. It helped me, and it corrected me. Yeah. Made me feel a little bit less because I wasn't doing the same thing. <laughs> I was coming up with all the reasons why, and that's the reason he told me that, because I was coming up with all the reasons why someone else was wrong. Sure. See, you don't, need to, you don't need to do that. God will judge it. He will take care of it. You don't need to worry about it. And so, uh, and I'm not just talking about ministers. Some brothers and sisters in Christ. Look at each other. You can come up with lots of reasons why somebody is wrong or why you don't like somebody. But when you find somebody like that, somebody who pets your cat backwards, maybe that's somebody you need to start speaking a few good things about. Amen? Find a reason why you, why, why you, why why you love them. Find a reason why, 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 why God loves them and what God's doing in their lives. Find something. Glory to God. 
See, you want love, you want respect, you want people to not judge you every time you've made a mistake, and yet as soon as someone else makes a mistake, you're ready to hang them. I've, I can't tell you how many times I've seen this. I've seen people do awful things. And then they've come and they want forgiveness. They want the Lord to forgive them. They want their life set back on, on track. They, and they've done awful things to, to, to people they shouldn't have done it to. And then not too long later, something in their life happens against them. And they're sitting there and they want to just crucify them. They want to hang them. They want to destroy their lives. What is that? You haven't realized what you were forgiven of. You have, you have an, an actually, actuality, what that is, is never, it was never true repentance. And we, see, we actually see that complete scenario play out in Scripture. Not preaching about that today, but uh, praise the Lord, it's free, no charge. Hallelujah. Um, but not uh, reluctantly or sorrowfully under compulsion, for God loves, look at this, he takes pleasure in, prizes above all other things, and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. Oh man, the doors that this kind of attitude opens. And I'm going to tell you right now, one of the number one doors that this attitude opens is, is it opens this, this flood, floodgate of peace and joy in your life. Because when you give, whenever you do, when you do it from the place of being prompt to do it and joyous, and you just like, I want to, I just want to bless God. I want to bless people. Bless God. Hallelujah. Yeah. Glory to God. When you go at life like that, yeah. it opens things in your life. And it, it's like all of a sudden you find things that you couldn't overcome fizzling out. Yeah. You see things that, you, that were so far off you never thought they'd come, start to enter. Yeah. See, but this is a lifestyle. This isn't, oh, I'm going to try this once and, and see how it works doesn't work that way this is a lifestyle whose heart is in their giving when you do something is your heart in it and if you can't do it with your heart in it you shouldn't do it amen praise God hallelujah well we got a few more verses to go to so verse 8 and God is able look at this now see this is this is this is where we get into the promise so now we've heard some good stuff I don't know about you but what I've heard so far has excited me but now we get into the good stuff. Hallelujah. And God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. God is able to make that happen. The Bible says God is able. Amen. He's able to make this happen so that you may always, and under all circumstances, and whatever the need, be self-sufficient. What does that mean? It means possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. So this, again, this is a financial scripture. God says that when you sow financial, when you do the, you know, when you're generous that way, what generosity has been talked about, when you do that, he's able to open up this grace in your life where things just work. And I found that to be true. All of a sudden, just, just doors of opportunity open for you. I've seen this in the life of countless believers. Countless people in here. Oh, not countless because we can count the people in here. But, uh, but, but many, many of you, I've seen this in your lives. I've seen like all of a sudden there will be a door in your life that will open. It will be something that wasn't previously open to you. Glory to God. It will be a pathway that wasn't previously there for you. And here it is. All of a sudden, it's there. It's a new job. Or it's an it's increase in your job. 
It's a raise. It's favor with your boss. It's favor with people. It's, it, you know, all these different things. And you see all these things happen in the life of a person who's generous. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. But we're not quite done yet. Because we've got to go through verse 11. I've got to at least get there. So bear with me, right? <clears throat> As it is written, he, the benevolent person, scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> and God, who provides seed for the sower, in other words, the one who wants the seed, he'll give them the seed. Do you know that works for preaching too? If I desire seed, you know the Bible says the sower sows the word. This is, this is uh, one of those little side things, but it's good for you. The Bible says that he sows, uh, the, the sower sows the word. This is the same kind of idea, the same principle uh, operation here. If I want to be able to, to teach people deeper things, teach people dip, deeper things, then I, I, I get into deeper things. I spend time after them. Praise the Lord. Provide seed for the sower and bread for the eating will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests, manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Hallelujah. But there's still more. Verse 11. Thus you will be enriched in all things and in every way so that you can be generous and your generosity as it is administered by us will bring forth thanksgiving to God. Why does God bless us? Because when we bless him, or when we bless people, it brings glory to him. It does. What are you laughing about? My inability to speak today? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Do you want to finish this? <laughs> Hallelujah. God, <laughs> yeah, exactly. As we sow into anything, God makes a way for us to increase in ways that we can't even see. And so, again, as we, as we leave here today, we leave here with this understanding that one of, the, one of the great things that Jesus did when he opened this doorway to us is to open the door for us to be freely be uh, generous in all things that we do. So as we follow the Lord in generosity, we see generosity, the effects of generosity open up in our life. I've always, I, I, this is one of the teachings that I, I just have always loved and it's been proven to be true in our lives and so many other people's lives that I've seen is that when you put to practice, when you start to put to practice in your life the generosity of God in all things, not just, again, not finance, just all things. When you put, you just don't leave any area out. It's amazing the transformation that happens in your life. God has given us this principle of sowing and reaping to get us out of any situation that we're in. doesn't matter where you're at. You want, you want, God has showed me time and time again, no matter what area I need, if I sow in. There was one time I was depressed and upset, and God sent me somebody, and I started sowing into their life. What I meant is I started preaching to them the word, trying to encourage them, and you know what happened? Lifted me up out of depression. Depression was gone. That's how I've done it. That's how I continue to do it. Praise the Lord. Whatever the need is, you know, God has a, a remedy for it. But the heart is to be generous, not because you get something, but to be generous because he has already done things. Amen? And that we can freely walk in that.